unplugged, and what we're doing is we're exploring how to unplug from the noise of life, the static, if you will, the distractions of life, and recognize the voice of God and experience all that he has for us. I mean, those things are all connected that we need to get away or unplug from the noise, hear God's voice, and begin to walk in or experience what God has for us. And so that's what we're doing in this series. More and more studies are coming out that show we are the most accessible, accessible and connected generation ever. I mean, it's very clear that's who we are. But at the same time, in many ways, we are the most miserable. So those two things, you would think, man, we have everything at our fingertips, the world at our fingertips, but we are still stressed out, exhausted, empty. It just isn't working. So something's got to change. And so that's what we're talking about in this series, that you know, we're always looking, we're always searching, we're always chasing after the latest and the greatest, trying to do more, get more. And before we crash, and this is what we've been saying, before we crash and burn in a heap of what could have been, we need to learn how to unplug. We need to learn how to unplug and discover what God has for us in our spiritual journey. And maybe today you're in that place. You're like, man, I feel like I'm about to crash and burn. I feel like life is going crazy, and I need to, I need to hear this. And so hopefully God speaks to you today through the message. Here's, here's our key text. In every message, every series, we have a key text. And this one's very simple. You can memorize this one in just a few moments. And here's what it says, Psalm 46, verse 10, the first part. It says, be still, be still, and know that I am God. The first part is being still. The second part is knowing God. And it's not knowing knowledge, like historical knowledge. It's knowing personally, relationally, intimately, knowing God. I know, I know, like we sang in the song just a few minutes ago. But here's what happens. Our busyness is keeping us from knowing God. We can't be still long enough for us to really know who God is and what he's doing. And so our inability to unplug is causing us not to not be able to connect with God. And so last week, we looked at, a base, at the basics of being still, and we looked at a couple different things. I'll just throw them out if you weren't here. To be still is to, to be able to be silent. You just got to be quiet. We, we talked about a verse that was a funny verse that says you need to shut up. So you can hear what God's saying. And so this idea of silence is critical to us being able to be still. Here's another point that we talked about last week. To be still, I have to be sure. In other words, there has to be this confidence that God's going to do what God said he's going to do. I have to know that. To be still means I've got to trust or have trust in the ability of God to do what God says he can make happen. And so at some point, there has to be a faith moment in being still. Lord, I'm going to be still because I know you can handle this. And so we talked about that, that God is our refuge and that he will come through and he's faithful and all these different things about who God is. <clears throat> but this week, I want to go back to the first basic we talked about last week, which is to be still, I have to stop. To stop. This idea of just stopping, you know, and, and I was thinking about, I should have called this, you know, this message instead of stop striving, I should have called it stop the cray, you know, the crazy, just stop it, stop all these things. And so one of the reasons, though, why we need to learn how to stop is so that we can position ourselves to see God move. So here's the very simple idea of stopping. If I can't stop long enough to see what God could do, I will never see him move. 
I, I have to come to the place where I finally realize that part of my problem in just knowing God and experiencing what God has for my life is this simple idea that I'm going so much and doing so many things, I can't see God move. I'm just too busy for that. I'm too active for that. So the Hebrew meeting, we talked a little bit about this last week, for the phrase, be still, and I, I put it in your notes this week, is three, threefold. It's to let go. That's, that's the first one, let go. That I would actually release the reins, if you will, so to speak. I, I would quit trying to grab a hold of it, and I would let go. The second part is surrender, that surrender is this idea that I finally realize there's somebody greater than me in this world, and it's not me, it's him, and I surrender. And the last one is to stop striving. And so we want to zero in on this stop striving. So my first question is this, stop what? Stop what? And I think we can talk about a ton of different things we need to stop. We could stop the crazy pace, stop doubting, stop procrastinating, stop arguing, stop lying, stop chasing after things, stop worrying, stop being selfish, stop, stop trying to control everything, stop, 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 stop. I mean, we could come up with a hundred things that we probably should stop that's causing this problem. But, but I want to look at a few of them today that I think are going to really help us that are in our spiritual journey category. But before I get there, here's the big problem. The big problem is that many of us, if we're just really honest, we're working really hard at going the wrong way. We're working really hard at going the wrong way. Have you ever done something in life where you just worked and worked and worked and then you realize that was the wrong thing to be working on? You know, you, you, you were working some way to make something happen. I've done it. I mess around with motorcycles all the time. And there'll be a few times that I'm working on something. I'm doing it. I'm going after it. And then I get all the way to the end. I go, oh, man, I forgot to put that one piece in. I've been working all this time. And now it's messed up. And I got to go back or I got to start over. And so a lot of us were working really hard at going the wrong way. And so I want to consider three critical things that we need to stop striving after to stop going the wrong way and start going the right way. So just three things today. And so here's the first one, that we would stop trying to earn our way, that we would stop trying to earn our way. Now, here's, here's, a, here's a thought that is part of our American culture. Our American culture is to work hard. That's a good trait. It's a good trait that we would work hard. But when you apply that to working hard to earn your wage with God, it's not a good thought. It's actually an obstacle thought. It's a, it's a going the other way thought. It's not what we should be thinking because it's messing us up. And so here's kind of what happens then. For some people, the issue that keeps us from being still is our constant activity of trying to win approval for God. We're trying to win something from God or get something from God. And in doing so, we're actually going the wrong way, but we're working really hard at it. Here's some verses in Galatians. And by the way, Galatians, if you go and study the, the little epistle, the little letter to the church in Galatia, it, it's all about this idea of not going the wrong way. Don't be foolish, it says several times. I mean, understand what's going on here. I mean, there's this, there's this idea in Galatians that is addressing this first point in a big way, but I want to just look at a few verses. Verse uh, 19 of chapter 2 in Galatians says this, Paul speaking, he says, for I, when I tried, trying to keep the law, 
When I tried to keep the law, notice what happened. It wasn't the next phrase is a celebration. The next phrase is one that we go, what? You, you were trying to keep the law. You were doing these good things. You were trying to earn your way. And it says it condemned me. The very thing I thought was going to help me was actually hurting me. It condemned me. So he said, man, I died to that because that was stupid. That's basically what he said. I, I, I gave up on that thought. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. I mean, so all of a sudden, this idea came to him that, you know what? Me trying to do this and earn my own way is actually counterproductive to the life that God is calling me to. It's not going to work. I need to stop. And so there's two simple truths that are in, in this text for us. The first one is, as long as I'm trying to earn my way to God, I'm actually keeping myself from God. As long as I'm trying to earn my way with God, I'm actually keeping myself from God. Here's the second truth, and this one might rock your world. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Good people don't go to heaven. In other words, if, if he would have been able to somehow got 90% of all the laws that he did it, he would have still fallen short and not had the answer that he needed because that's not where the answer was found. It wasn't in earning his way. It was somehow in the forgiveness that was in Christ through grace. And so this idea, so how many of us, <clears throat> excuse me, are trying to earn something from God by not, by just simply trying to be good enough, you know? Well, I'm a good person, <laughs> you know? Well, I don't do a lot of bad things. I mean, there's a lot of people worse than me, <laughs> you know? I mean, the old, the old adage of if you meet a bear in the woods, you know, you just got to be faster than the other person, you know, kind of idea. If I'm just better than them, you know? I mean, we got this good thing that happens, and it really messes it up because somehow, somehow, we're trying to keep some kind of scorecard in our hearts and minds that's unrealistic and unreal and not, not possible. We'll, we'll see that in just a second. It, it just doesn't happen. And so we try to work for God's love and approval instead of just accepting it. And what ends up happening, this is what happens, is the, the result is simply this. We get lost on the journey of knowing God. Be still and know that I'm God. We get lost right away because we start going after this. We're striving after earning our way. And instead of being in that place to be still and know that I'm God, I'm running around, racing around, and getting lost on the journey of knowing God and find myself in a place I never was supposed to be. Let me describe the place for you. We get lost in legalism. We get lost in legalism. Now, let me just explain something really quickly before I go too far down this path. Rules and standards and being obedient to God are not the problem. That's not the problem. But when I elevate the rules and the regulations and obedience as an entrance or favor that I'm earning by doing them, it becomes a big problem. And so this idea of legalism, and that's what it is, which then leads to, it kind of progresses, it leads to a performance track trap. So I'm performing now. So because of legalism, because I'm trying to earn my way, you know, I always say it this way. You love me now, God? Wait, wait. You know, and we do all these little dances in life, trying to perform our way, being good enough to earn something from God, which leads to something else. So legalism leads to performance. And because we can't do it, and it actually condemns us, which the scripture just said, 
it leads to something that a lot of us maybe struggle with and we're not willing to admit it, is we become phony. We become phony. We become critical. We become all these other things because somehow we've went really hard the wrong way in trying to earn something from God that he's trying to give to us. And so as a result of this, <clears throat> this all these things, it might come down to the point where Jesus says something like this to us. You're like whitewashed tombs. You've got all kinds of ugly inside of you, but on the outside, you keep polishing it and try to make it look good and make it appear like it's something it's not, but it, it just isn't working. And so this idea of legalism. So let me just kind of hover over legalism for just a second. At the root of legalism is the sinful darkness of pride. We get lost in thinking, I'm able to prove myself to God by my own deeds. And in the darkness of my pride, I'm motivated to exalt myself in the sight of others by my outward behavior, outward behavior, and failing to see the corruption of my own heart. So it's this, this root of darkness. Now, let me back up here because I missed something in my notes. It's really important. So what is legalism? Legalism is a preoccupation with obeying rules that Christianity is some series of do's and don'ts, and that's all that it's based on. Legalism is an attempt to gain favor with God or to impress other people by doing certain things or avoiding certain things without any regard or, con or of the condition of our hearts before God. So that's what it is. But it comes from pride. It comes from this idea of pride and me failing to recognize the condition of my heart. And a result of this, another result, is that legalism then denies the depths of my own human depravity. Getting kind of deep here. In other words, what happens is because I think that somehow I can earn it, I'm able to push God's offer of grace and mercy and love off to the side because now I'm not that bad. And if I would just be a little bit better, I'd be okay. And I fall into this trap again, and I'm trying to earn something. And so I'm striving after this. I'm working after this. And the answer is, again, stop trying to earn your way. You can't get there from here. But we keep doing it. We keep doing it. And so here's what happens. Legalism, then, kills your joy. How many of you know that when you have all these expectations and you always never meet them, it makes you a very angry, upset, mad person? The whole room's nodding their heads, right? Because we realize that when we go down this path and we get lost on this journey, it doesn't make me happier. It makes me sad. It makes me grouchy. It makes me crabby. It makes me irritated. And then it starts to make me irritated to the people around me because they're not doing the things that I think I should be doing either. And so it just gets uglier and uglier and uglier. And there's no joy in your life. Some of you today, you might be here right now mad at where you're at in life simply because what you've been trying to do and the work that you've been trying to have happen isn't working and it's just making you upset here's here's another thing that happens is it keeps you from your victory it keeps you from actually experiencing the power and the authority of god here's what happens it's only based on what you can do can i just share with you very simply you're not that great He's got to let that sink in a little bit. I, I'm not that great. I can't fix myself. I can't forgive myself. I can't wash myself. I can't give myself a new heart. I can't do that. 
But somehow I think that I'm going to earn that. And so I, I'm struggling after that, and it keeps me from the victory that I want to have in life. Here's another. It traps you in the performance. You're constantly doing the dance, you know. Anybody, anybody watching? Anybody watching? Oh, oh, somebody. And I'm constantly performing. I'm exhausted trying to show everybody how good I am. And it just isn't working. And here's another one. It makes you critical. It makes you critical. You don't, you don't become more loving because of legalism. You become more critical. The most critical people on the planet... I can almost guarantee you have some form of pride and darkness in their heart that is full of legalism, that is full of that earning thing because they're trying to do it. They think everybody else should do it too, and you become critical. It makes you obsessed with outward standards and neglect the heart. It makes you question your assurance of salvation. I mean, it messes up all these things because I'm trying to earn my way. So here's another thing about legalism. I've spent a lot of time on this because I feel like this is a huge thought for us to wrestle with. Is that legalism is opposed to the grace of God. It's actually against God's grace. It's resisting God's grace. It's basically saying to God, God, I don't need that. I've got me. I don't need you. I've got me. I, I can make this happen. And so we oppose God's grace. Listen to what Paul said to a group of people in Galatians. That we're striving the wrong way. Galatians 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days and months and seasons or years. Let me put it in real context right now. You're trying to do it because you go to church. You're trying to do it because every Sunday you get up in the snow and go to church. And I'm going to say, awesome. But if that's you trying to earn favor and neglect God's grace, you've missed the point. And he goes on, he says, I fear for you. That phrase has been jumping out at me all week. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work for you was for nothing. In other words, I've been working really hard. Maybe I've been working the wrong way too. Maybe, maybe as a pastor, I've been encouraging, hey, go after God, go after God, but not realizing that maybe we're going the wrong way because we're thinking somehow, some way I can earn it. And he says, I fear for you that you might be working really hard and going the wrong way. That you might be going with all of this energy and all this effort to be a good person and do the right things and end up not in the right place. He said, I fear for you. Here's another thought about legalism. Legalism is a losing battle. Galatians chapter 5, verse 2 and 4. It says, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision, which is an outward rule, right, to be circumcised. We won't go into details. I'm just looking around to see if there's any little kids in here, but you know, you know what that is, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, good, okay. Um, and so counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then, notice this little phrase, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. In other words, you have kicked grace and Christ to the corner because you think that somehow you're going to earn it. He said, that's not going to work. He goes on, he says, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, check this out. You must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. It's kind of a secret little statement that basically means this. You can't do it. 
You can't do it. Let me just give you an example. You're supposed to obey. Here's one of them. Obey all the laws of the land. I'm just going to assume how many of you might have went over the speed limit on the way to church today. All right. <laughs> okay, well, we got some people that are excited about it. They're raising their hand. And, yeah, man, that was me. Man, I went flying by. Yeah. I mean, the point I'm making is it doesn't take very much effort to not fulfill all the regulations of law. You don't even have to try. It just happens. So what he was saying is this. He said, if you think that you're going to earn it, okay, great, but here's the deal. You have to do all of them perfectly, otherwise you can't. You can't earn your way. So he says, every regulation of the whole law, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God. Say it with me. Grace. And so this whole idea is this idea of losing and denying grace if I'm trying to earn it my own way. So what's the answer? Here's the answer. Stop striving, trying to earn your own way, and instead rely, rely, trust in His grace and learn to live in love. Learn to live in love because it's not about checking things off a list. Here's what Jesus said a lot of, a lot of different times. He said, if you love me, you will, anybody know the end of the verse? You'll obey me. Oh, wait a minute, I thought you just said that the obedience thing is there. No, the point is, if I understand the value and the place of love first, obedience will easily follow. It will easily follow. I won't get, it isn't that I never do the things that God wants me to do. I just understand that I'm not doing them to earn my way. I'm doing them because of love, and it's part of what love does. Because I've received grace, now I'm walking in this love. Years ago... I had an aha moment in my relationship with God, and it was when I was in Bible college. I, I remember watching, because I was a new guy to Christianity. I, I mean, I came uh, from dealing drugs, alcoholic background. Uh, I mean, just out there, crazy. A year later, I'm sitting in a Bible college, and they're doing hymns, and I'm hanging out with guys that grew up third, fourth, fifth generation Christians, and they got their act together, and I'm trying to be like them, and I'm looking at how cool and awesome they seem to be, and they got their devotions down, they read the Bible, they study, they say all the right words, they go to the right places. I mean, they're perfect, and I suck, right? And I found myself, and I would do that, and I'd realize, oh, well, devotions, devotions, and I would do the little devotion dance, and I realized I'd go like two days, and then I'd like watch basketball for two days. Man, I guess I'm not a Christian. I can't be a Christian. God, I'm no good. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible person, and then I'd go, man, three days, and then I wouldn't do it for a couple days, or then I, I, I would say something, you know, wrong to Jennifer or whatever. I mean, oh man, I'm such a, I mean, I, and all of a sudden I just, I'm just such a loser. I'm just such a loser. I'm just such a loser. And I realized I was performing for God, not loving God. I was performing. And so the switch got flipped all of a sudden. And I realized, you know what? I have one job with God. It's not all these other things, devotions, all that kind of stuff. But this one thought, and here's what it was. I don't have to prove anything but that I love my God. 
That's all I have to prove. And out of that love comes devotion. And out of that love comes the right conversation with my wife. Out of that love comes the fact that I'm doing the things that I should have been doing in the first place, but it's not that I'm starting there. I'm starting with this idea of love. It was a rocket, I mean, rocket moment for me in my spiritual journey. I mean, just, and I realized, wow, I've really been doing this wrong. And then after a while, I realized all those guys I thought were so great, they were all losers anyway. <laughs> Jokingly, meaning they weren't perfect. They were the same place. Just people trying to learn and figure out how to do life. So this idea that I need to learn how to love, the, the meaning the only thing that matters, am I loving God? Because if I am, obedience would follow. Let me read one verse before we go to number two. And I've spent a lot of time on number one on purpose. But here's the verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. It says, we know, we know how much God loves us. So where does it start? It starts in this understanding of the depth, the width, and the height of love. Let me give you a picture of love. I know this, that somebody died on a cross for me. That's love. I mean, it's, it's sacrificial love at a level most of us can't really even get our minds around. But we know that God loves us, and it starts there, how much God loves us. And we put our trust in our abilities, just check and see. We put our trust in his love. We, we, we put our trust there. We don't try to earn it. We put our trust in it. We, we say, Lord, we're trusting in your love. God is love, and all who, and here's the phrase, live in love. Live in love, live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, this living in love idea, our love grows. Our love grows. So here's what happens. When I focus on the love part of my relationship with God and receiving his love and walking and living out this love, all of a sudden, love starts to grow. And when love starts to grow, I become obedient. I begin to do the things that maybe the law would have wanted me to do in the first place, but now it's just happening because of the love relationship. I'm not trying to earn something. My life now is a reflection of the loving relationship that I have with God. It goes on. It says, so we will not, I don't know if yours says Willie. Mine says Willie. No, okay. We Willie, <laughs> not, we will not be afraid of the day of judgment. So now I have this confidence, and, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. In other words, I'm not standing before God now and how much I earned and how good I was because that was worthless. Now I'm standing in the fact that, Lord, I received your love, and that was perfect. And I have confidence now in that. I'm not struggling to find victory. I'm not bummed out. I'm happy. I mean, all the things that we just talked about come alive now in this one moment because I learned to live in love, not the law. Does everybody get that? Okay, here's the second one. And we'll, we'll do the next two real quick. So the second one is stop chasing after a happy place. Happy place. For some people, the issue that keeps us from being still is our constant chasing after a happy feeling or a happy place. I want that happy place. 
And, and we, we kind of say it, but not really say it, that satisfaction is always somewhere out there, and I'm seeking and chasing it. I'm looking for this happy place, that contentment is this mystical, magical place, and it's not Disneyland or Disney World. There's something out there that I'm just not getting a hold of, and too many of us never experience God because we are too busy chasing after the next thing or the next moment that will make us feel good. And so we're looking for this, and here's the problem. It's fleeting. It always goes like that. Every time I'm looking for the view, and I can't quite get a hold of it because I'm looking for a feeling, and it's messing me up. And it only lasts as long as the feeling does. And then we need to find something again and again and again. We need to find something more than a feeling. And the answer is not in striving to be in a happy place. Hear this really clearly. But instead to seek being a happy person. To flip the switch. I'm not looking for a happy feeling. I want to be a happy person. And you're like, what does that mean? See, happiness is is this idea that I'm chasing that is being found in the being, not in the doing. Check out the Beatitudes. Jesus was all over this. And by the way, the word blessed actually can mean happy. And so I found a version here, the Good News version, that says and uses the word happy. Notice what it says. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. I don't have anything to prove. I don't have anything to go. Everything I have and need is in God. And you're, that's good. Happy are those who mourn. In other words, they understand that, man, I'm a sinner and I can't fix myself and only God can fix me. You're happy when you start walking that way. Happy are those who are humble. In other words, they're not being proud. They're being humble for they will receive what God has promised. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. They will be satisfied and full. In other words, because of love, I want to do what God wants. And when I do that, I'm full. I'm satisfied. It happens. I'm happy. Happy are those who are merciful to others because God will be merciful to them. It positions me. Happy are those that are pure in heart. They will see God. Happy are those who work for peace. God will call them his children. Be a happy person. Don't go after happy feelings. And a lot of times the feelings will come if you focus on the other. Here's the third one. is to stop living according to your human nature. Your human nature. See, our flesh, I, I wrestled today with what word or phrase to use here because it's like sinful nature, human nature, our flesh, the old man. I, I, I don't, I mean, it's this idea that there's something innately in us that is not going the same direction that God wants us to go. But a lot of times we live according to that thing that's in us, this desire to go the opposite way of God. And it's messing up our ability to know him and be still. So stop living according to that. And for some people, the issue that keeps us from being still is the way we live. Are we living as a person who is being led or guided by the Spirit of God or by our human nature? Are we living according to the Spirit or the flesh? Check out Romans. Romans chapter 8 says, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature, which is interesting, go back to our definition of what being still is, to let go. So letting 
your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, for the sinful nature is always hostile to God. Let me wrap up with a couple thoughts here. To live according to your sinful nature is actually battling and fighting against God. It's hostile. You're actually going against God. Not kind of with God or anything. You're going against Him. And see, here's another thought. I can't be still and know God if I'm living, living according to my flesh and being ruled by my human desires. If I'm always doing what my desires want, I can't be in that place that God wants me to be and know Him. It just isn't possible. And so I'm taking myself out of the game, and I need to stop this way of living so that I can find and know who God is. So what's the answer? The answer is very simple. It's in the thinking and the letting. It's in the thinking and the letting. It's in the thinking and the letting. It starts with what I think about. It starts before that with this idea of love and grace and that I'm going to give it to you, Lord. I'm, I'm going to rely upon you. But it, it acts or it fulfills itself or comes alive in you as you think about the things that please the Spirit. Think about it. What do you think about? What do you think about? What do you think about? Because all, if all you think about is pleasing the next desire that you want to fulfill, you'll never get to that place where you know that He is God. You can't be still. You, you can't get there. It's just a struggle that's constantly, and we need to stop this idea. So I think about it. What do I think about? And then the next part of that is, is letting, this idea of letting. What's, what's that mean? Galatians 5.16, going back to Galatians. So I say, let... The Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. This is how I look at it. Lord, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How do you want me to react? Kingdom builders, what do you want me to give? And I'm letting the Holy Spirit guide my life. Why am I doing that? Because I want to learn how to be still and know that He is God. I want to be in that place where I can stop Living according to the human nature. Stop chasing after this happy place. Stop trying to earn my way. And finally come to a place where I'm laying, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? It's practice. And so I challenge you. I got the challenge from last week, the 12-minute thing. I just challenge you to add to that as you're praying in your prayer piece and your soap time. Lord, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want to do? What do you want me to stop? Lord, what, what am I part of that isn't honoring you? What isn't in line with or thought about with the Holy Spirit? And here's what I realize as I do this. If I just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, are you down with this? You know, I don't know if I'd say it like that, but Holy Spirit, would you like to present yourself in this moment right here? Almost inevitably, he will tell me very clearly, very quickly. He'll speak and give me a sense of my heart, yes or no but I've got to think about it. Let's pray. Let's pray. And maybe you're here today as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and your heart is surrendered to the Lord. Maybe you've been here for a while trying to earn your way with God. And right now, right in this moment, you're saying, I need to accept His grace and His love and receive forgiveness 
and quit trying to do it in my own power. I need that more than anything. Maybe that's you. You've been trying to earn your way. You've been trying to perform your way. You've been phony and fake. And God is saying, wait a minute, let's stop this. And let's learn how to walk in love. Let's learn how to walk in grace. Would you receive and accept the offer that I'm putting on the table of my son Jesus to pay for your sin to give you a new life? Would you do that today? If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Because I want to pray for you in just a moment. Yes. Several hands. Yes. Maybe you're here today, and you've been chasing that happy moment. Someday I'm going to get here, and I'm going to be happy. Some way I'm going to find that magical place. And really, the magical place isn't out there. It's somewhere in here, and you just being content and satisfied in a relationship with God, and he'll bring the happy feelings. That's you. And maybe the last group is here today that... You've been living according to your human nature, your sinful nature, your flesh, whatever you want to call it. You've been just kind of going the opposite way, and God's convicting you right now because you realize you've taken yourself out of grace and put yourself in a, new, a different place. Lord, I'm asking right now, Father, first of all, for those that raised their hand that simply said, Lord, I need to accept grace today. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. It's free it's a payment for my sin on the cross for my life. And I receive it today, Lord, as an act of love towards me. So, Lord, I'm opening myself up and say, Lord, would you come in? Would you wash me clean? Would you make me new? Would you give me a fresh start that's not built on earning my way, but walking in love with you? Lord, let it be so. Father, for those that have been chasing after happy feelings, that, Lord, they would begin to focus in on just being that happy person. The being part of it, not the doing or chasing. Lord, let it be so. Father, for those that maybe are being convicted by the Holy Spirit right now, that they would let you guide. Lord, let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.